Hello and welcome to Everyday Women. I'm Allison Bunker. And I'm Malva Kohlhaven. And today we are here with Chevette McGee. Um, Chevette is the Director of Community and Diversity at our school. Um, so Chevette, the first question we usually ask all of our listeners is if you could design the perfect peanut butter and jelly sandwich, what would it be? Okay. It would be, well, now, because I found out about some food allergies, it would be gluten-free oh, no. bread. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I like the crunchy, as crunchy, as crunchy as it can be peanut butter. So I like, but now it might actually be almond butter. I'm on this whole <laughs> um, diet kick. There's some but, recent changes. Um, yes, very oh, recent changes. But yeah, I would have all the crunchiness in it, really thick peanut butter, and then grape jelly, because mm-hmm. I only like grape jelly. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's it. Okay, cool. Sounds good. Yeah. So, um, could you tell us a little more about how you got into social justice work? Yeah, sure. Well, I kind of um, think about it as lived experiences and learned experiences. Mm -hmm. So, I grew up on Army bases. Both of my parents were in the Army. So, uh, everybody was biracial like me. I mean, Mm -hmm. most of the people there were black and white or black and Korean or white and Guamanian. I mean, Mm -hmm. all my friends were, we were just a big mixture. Mm -hmm. Like, if you had two black parents or two white parents, that was, that was strange. That was, that stood out more like, really? You have two Mm -hmm. white parents? You know? Um, so (coughs) it was a really great way to grow up. And then, um, when I moved, my parents retired, I kind of got, I moved off of the army base. And so I got a real sense of what the world is like and, Mm -hmm. um, kind of broke out of my, my little bubble in college. I got really involved with a lot of organizations, social justice clubs. Uh, I joined Mm -hmm. an African-American sorority. I was the vice president of our black student union. I joined our black women's caucus. I did a lot of work at school. I worked at the African-American student center and that all really kind of got me thinking about the work more and making connections with people. And then grad school really pushed me um, in that direction. I um, have a master's degree in education um, from Western Washington University. My undergraduate degree is from Washington State University. And um, I really got involved with it there. I worked at the Ethnic Student Center. I worked at the Student Support Services Office, which worked with students of color, lower socioeconomic students, and um, really worked on programming for them and working through financial aid. And I kind of saw some of the issues in higher ed that can really trap some of those students. And then after grad school, my very first job was as the Associate Director of Multicultural Affairs at Lewis and Clark College in Portland. And then that was kind of it. Um, what are some of the specific things in those leadership roles you had on different campuses that you were able to do that were really meaningful to you? Like some specific things you were able to plan or work on yeah. or something like that? I'd say my thing I'm most proud about is um, a program called Great Expectations at Lewis and Clark. So one of the things that we saw, so I did... Um, my thesis was on the experiences of African-American students at a predominantly white institution. And so when I got to Lewis and Clark, I kind of took some of the data that I had found working on my thesis. What were some of the things there. you found in your thesis? Oh, wow. Um, not, that, not that you can sum up, like, yeah, I know theses are really yeah. long, so not um, that you can sum up an entire like, book, well, but... Was, you know, Mm-hmm. There were gaps in um, preparation, right. you know, the achievement gap was mm-hmm. real. A lot of them definitely felt um, invisible on mm-hmm. the campus and not heard, didn't see them. Kind of some of the stuff that we hear mm-hmm. students of color say here. I mean, it's yeah. not much exactly. not mm-hmm. much different. Um, but, so at Lewis and Clark, um, it was apparent that the, the students of color were really struggling there as well. Um, it's, it's a 
it's a different school. I don't know if you guys have been there or heard yeah. of it. I've heard, I've heard of it, but I've yeah. never been there. Well, so we decided to do a summer bridge program. I don't know if you heard what that was. So I got a few of my coworkers together and was like, we need to prepare some of these students a little bit better than we are because they kind of, a student who doesn't go to school like you prep, you know, they're just coming in to college, thrown into the mix, they're away from home. They're one of very few students of color on this white campus mm -hmm. in this white city, you know. Mm -hmm. And Lewis and Clark had a two-year requirement to live on campus um, mm -hmm. for freshmen and sophomore as well. So I was like, we need to do something. And so we, um, I got about four coworkers together and we came up with this idea of a summer bridge program. And we called it Great Expectations. And it was a four-day program. Um, students started school early before new student orientation. They got to come to school. They got to check into their dorm. And um, then we took them off. So we went to the coast for the first year. We went um, by the Columbia River the second year. Mm -hmm. And we did just workshops, time management, you know, study skills. Mm -hmm. We did like learning inventory. Um, mm -hmm. They also got to um, meet a peer mentor. We brought our peer mentors there and they got to bond. We, we invited a few professors. There's a freshman course that all freshmen take there. Mm -hmm. And we brought a professor who taught that class and kind of went over what they're looking for because it's a hard class and um, just really gave them some extra prep before school started and um, we got a budget for it and it's just something that I'm super super proud of because I planned it from start from idea mm -hmm. to implementation mm -hmm. and then I'm still connected with some of the students when I worked there who went on it and being able to see them kind of doing their thing and but they all talked about how valuable it was and it was only for um, students who are Pell Grant eligible which means that they're lower socioeconomic um, status, uh, students of color, and first-generation college students. So that was the population that we we're working with. And the first year we had maybe like 45 students, and the second year we had 70, and it mm -hmm. just continued. Like we had to put a cap on it. There's something great. so cool about seeing something from an idea to its like yeah. full-fledged right. existence, yeah. especially if it's like a big project. Um, that was the biggest for me. Yeah, and, and there's something so cool about yeah, like having an idea and being able to put it. It was. I'm very proud of into that. Into action like that. Is the program still carrying on today? You know, I I was just wondering. I I looked. I don't think so. I think mm -hmm. last year was last year. They were having budget cuts. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. it, it was a free program. They wanted to charge students. So my one of my friends still works there, and she was saying that they wanted to charge students to do it. And I was like, you can't charge. The, the population that we're working <laughs> for needs this. Yeah. yeah. And so it looks like they canceled it. But it ran for about 10 years. So. Wow. wow, that's a long time. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. What are some other, like, lessons you learned um, throughout your time kind of working in? Um, I'm just kind of thinking for, like, students that are going into college yeah. right now. And as they get involved in extracurriculars, like, what are the things you learned outside of the classroom in college? Um, like, through extracurriculars and stuff like that. I loved college. Okay. It was the best absolute best time of my life met all my best friends so all okay. my friends from high school I don't even I mean maybe like a Facebook like you hear that Malika? Yeah, sorry you and I are not going to be friends we're not even going to know each other okay. bye um, <laughs> all my best friends um, I met in college and um, I lived it up my mom was like enjoy this time you know because it's going to mm -hmm. go so fast um, I didn't work which sometimes I regret because I have some student <laughs> loans 
But um, I really, I mean, I joined so many organizations and clubs, like I mentioned. I also joined, we had this thing called Women's Transit, which uh, was a ride service, but now there's Uber. There was an Uber then for um, girls who would be walking alone on campus. So I did that. I, I joined this thing called Coop Guys and Gals, which was, I was the first black student to be accepted into it. We worked oh, wow. with our athletic department. Mm-hmm. I just really got involved and, and tried different things. Um, I actually had just put on Facebook, because my daughter's a sixth grader here, and I was mm-hmm. talking about all the stuff she's tried since she's been here and how I'm happy for her. And all my <laughs> friends from college were like, sounds just like you, that's who you were in school. So I just did a lot, I, I got really involved. I didn't, one of my, a key advice I give everybody I did an internship every summer mm-hmm. every summer I hustled and just made sure I was making those connections mm-hmm. um, I interned all over I was a communications major so I interned with the Sonics and the Storm I interned with ABC College Football but I just always put myself out there and made those connections with my professors because or organizations that are looking to hire or looking to intern they usually will contact professors that's mm-hmm. how I got most of mine and then a professor will be like hey Shabbat would you like I somebody called me ABC that's how I got ABC college football and they paid they flew me to the sugar bowl in New Orleans <laughs> he was like ABC college football called they need a student to work you know blah 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 and he was like are you interested and I said yeah and so, I, like, so like definitely get close to your professors yeah just make them let them know that you're hungry that yeah. you want to work hard but mm-hmm. really I yeah doing those internships whenever I could um was key it was because I had friends who did it and then mm-hmm. kind of struggled trying to find their way so yeah. that was a big key and just making friends being open to new people and new places and new Mm -hmm. experiences um, those are some um, things that I think really made my college experience exceptional Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, how okay sorry (laughs) so some of this work can be really hard um, Mm -hmm. working in social justice so how have you kind of been able to keep going at it even when it's really hard and frustrating or what tips would you give to some younger so it's very hard you have to pace yourself Mm -hmm. because you can just get beat down and um you know doors close or or if change isn't happening fast enough you could be like what is going on and you could just be like oh this is for nothing nobody cares um so you have to pace yourself you have to find allies you need to make connections with other people who are doing the work um, mm-hmm. so that you can share and you can you know, talk and make connections. And you need to find those people that you can just really let, you know, like, so Ms. Peterson is that for me here. Mm-hmm. I call her my work spouse. But <laughs> yes, you know, my, my dad had someone in his last office who was his work husband. Yeah. And we would yeah. Yep, she <laughs> is my work wife. But um, I'll go there and just, like, if something happens, I'm always like, oh, my gosh. But you, you need those people. And it's okay to show emotion. Because mm-hmm. when you do this work, people will share horrible stuff that has mm-hmm. happened to them. And you kind of then take it on. They might feel better after they tell you. you know? It's yours to hold and then, and then you're sitting there like, oh, my gosh, I have right. to fix this. So, um, yeah, really pacing yourself. But it, it is hard, and you can get burnt out. And... Um, yeah, it's just the realities of it, but knowing that the work is righteous and it's mm-hmm. just and it's mm-hmm. it's needed and that um, you know your guy your guy's generation is going to change the world and so just kind of remembering that, but also taking the time to just decompress if you need to. Right. Like mm-hmm. I'll go and watch the Real Housewives of Atlanta, you know, and just like, <laughs> I'm not thinking about anything over here. I'm watching Love and Hip Hop. Yeah, yeah. Um, and just taking that time for yourself to mm-hmm. do what you need to do because it can. Yeah, definitely really having separation. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, could you share a time when you wanted to give up on social justice work but you didn't? Oh my gosh, there's been a few times. <laughs> so when I left 
Lewis and Clark <coughs> College. Well, okay, I tried to leave Lewis and Clark. I got a job at Edmonds Community College. Mm-hmm. I got a job offer to be their director of student leadership. And I go to my boss at, at Lewis and Clark and I said, I'm leaving. I can't take it. I'm stressed out. I was a single mom then. And I was just like, it's too much. And he was like, Shabbat, you do such good work. You're making such an impact. What can I do to keep you here? And I was like, wow. So I ended up staying. <laughs> that, that made me, so I ended up staying. And then um, I'd say before I got this job, I was kind of like, let me see what else is out there. Um, just because it can be really daunting. But I will be honest, like working here has been the first place working in diversity work where I felt supported across the board. Hmm. Um from Mr. Levinson, our head of school, mm-hmm. Mr. Jaffe, like the fact that we have a diversity community office, the yeah. fact that I have a department budget, the fact that there's two full-time people working in here, it's not all on me. Mm-hmm. Whereas when I go out to the other schools, Northwest, Lakeside, Bush, it's one person. Mm-hmm. And they're all stressed out. And I always feel so much better because it's like, I have a partner and Ichi works in here. Yeah. I mean, the fact that there's multiple people and that there's teachers around that I like It's like the power of difference of trying to do something on your own versus trying to do with other people and that way when you're like scared you're not sure what's happening and you're like can I get this done you at least have someone to like tell you that like you're fine you're gonna make it absolutely so that's what makes it even that much better here and this is why it's a good position so like I'm actually leaving this position (laughs) so it's not that I'm leaving diversity work but it's time for me Mm -hmm. I think how I look at it is that I built the foundation. When I when I got hired, this didn't exist. Right. We didn't have a diversity exactly. community yeah. office. You know, I think you guys. What grade are you guys in? I'm in twelfth grade. You're in twelfth. So you were in sixth grade when I started here. Okay, so we started at the same time. Yeah, we started <laughs> at the same time. There it was, gives me a good frame of there reference. There was nothing, and before I got hired, there I were, it was an office upstairs, but it was, it was kind of tucked away. It wasn't yes. completely the diversity. Community. No, no. And so the um, there had been the newspaper. Put an article when I got hired to see how long I would stay because there had been like six people who had lasted wow. only a year. I mean, there was just no framework. Mm-hmm. So the fact that we built this, the fact that we have social yeah. justice day, and mm-hmm. so I feel like you know what, this is the perfect time to leave and let somebody else take it Carry to the next finish. level. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I built, I built the frame mm-hmm. of the house, and now somebody's gonna build the house right. in the driveway and drive that car on down. <laughs> Doing some really great stuff, like with Definitely. the maybe a porch, the, the feminism class that yeah. we're going on, the gender equity. I mean, just mm-hmm. all the stuff that we're doing. Mm-hmm. We are in a great place. We really yeah. are. I know it's, it's changed so much. Oh my four years I've been here. Oh it, my god! Yeah, totally. We're just like it's good to step back and notice that and see that there's been change over yeah. time. Because I think oftentimes, like in the moment, it feels like nothing's changed. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. The one thing that I would like to see happen has always been so when you work here at the end of the year, you have to go through a review and you write down stuff that you want to improve on for the next mm-hmm. year, and your boss oversees it. And Mr. Jackie's my boss, so every year I've had the same thing that I want more white students to come in here mm-hmm. it's there's almost like there's an invisible yeah. curtain mm-hmm. and, and they, they mean well the white students mean well yeah. you know I think for them they're like I don't want to infringe on the space for students of color mm-hmm. which I get but that's not the point of the space like the right. point of the space is for everybody and who wants to make connections um mm-hmm. That's why I try to hold like any any club meeting that mm-hmm. wants you need a space you can you can Never use it in here. That's why I'm always like hey keep the blinds open. Mm-hmm. Um, my advisory meets in here, which is good. But I get it; they're respectful and they mm-hmm. don't want to feel like they're infringing on somebody else's space. 
Um, so I, I hope we can change that. And yeah. every year it's been on my on my review. Like, I'm gonna get more white students. <laughs> you know? Want more white students yeah, in my we're office? Gonna get a, like GSA meets in here, yeah. which I'm glad mm-hmm. about. You know, so I try to make those opportunities happen mm-hmm. for the kids who really do see this place as a home base. I get that, but. I'm always happiest when I see them out more. Mm-hmm. But at the beginning, like think about us. Some of our, especially some of our reader scholars, some of our mm-hmm. kids of color, as Seattle has gotten more gentrified, they've been pushed out. You know. Yes. So like mm-hmm. I was living in Burien. When I moved to Burien, I was like, oh, this is where all the black and brown people yeah. are. It's so diverse. But it takes forever to get there. There's kids mm-hmm. at our school whose bus leaves at 6 a.m. to get here. And it's just a different environment. Imagine if you've never been in an independent school, you came from a really big public school, and you're dropped here. I mean, there's just a culture shock for some people. So this is for them, especially when they first get to prep. this is their home base. But I'd like to see it more diversity. And I think there's also, like, (laughs) people who haven't had to get up and get on a bus at 6 a.m. and take that kind of ride. I don't think people can, not that they can't, but they they don't fully wrap their head around how hard that is and how much that takes out of you and out of your time. Think about how exhausted you are when you finally get here for classes to start at 8.25 and you've been up you know, you've been on the bus, you know, since mm-hmm. 6 a.m. It's right. something that's hard to see since so many people take the bus and it's like, and so and many you like know, a 20 yeah. minute commute. And I think a lot of the kids that hours. are working the hardest making up at 6 a.m. are just, they're just going and yeah. like they aren't making they're a big deal about it. And so it's, yeah, exactly. but, pe- but then I think, yeah, it's, it's hard to recognize how much extra work goes Absolutely. into just yeah. getting to school. You, you wouldn't even know mm-hmm. some of, some of the stories that your students, yep. your peers mm-hmm. have. Um, you, you, your mind would be blown. You would be right. like, oh my gosh, they're like the strongest people exactly. and I don't know if I could do it. And I'm a mom. I don't know if I could have my child get up at 6 a.m. I mean, get on the bus at 6 a.m. to get here mm-hmm. because that's hard. Mm-hmm. But that shows the power, how much they believe in a UCREP education. Yes. So. It's a lot of dedication. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I could do it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I already, I already get a little whiny when I have to get up early, mm-hmm. so like it's hard to imagine. Yeah. So changing topics a little bit. Um, you're biracial, and your mom was white, and your dad was black. So could you speak? I know we talked about it a little bit earlier, but what's kind of your experience been being biracial in Seattle or throughout yeah. the U.S.? Well, so growing up, I grew up in Texas on mm-hmm. um, Army base, and um, I did used to hear, you know, so. The major issues that I had was not with white people. It was with black girls, full black girls, mm-hmm. where they would be like, oh, you think you're cute because you're light skinned or you think you're cute because you have good hair. And at the time I didn't get like, I used to get so frustrated. I remember I cut all my hair off because I was like, I don't want to hear that anymore. <laughs> and now as I as I grew up and I got older, I totally get what the issue was. I mean, black women were told that everything about them was ugly. You know, their dark skin was ugly, their Mm -hmm. hair was ugly, their lips were, you know, I get it. Um, So now I love to see the direction that we've taken with embracing natural hair and, um, but imagine how frustrating it is for somebody where if your whole life you were told your big lips were ugly and then Kylie Jenner plumps her lips up and Mm -hmm. gets, you know, praise for it. Or imagine being teased because your butt was so big and then like Kim Kardashian gets praised for it or hairstyles when the Kardashians wear you know cornrows and so there's there's a lot there but so growing up um that I say that was the only issue I had with being mixed was um the the beef with black girls of them them thinking I thought I was better you know because they heard it from the media so I get that um, but my mom was great. So my mom had me at 19. She was single. She was born and raised in Idaho. 
And I tell people, a white woman taught me to be a strong black woman. Mm -hmm. I would not be who, so my mom and I kind of grew up together. We would go to the library and she would check out books on Sojourner Truth, Harriet Tubman, and we would read them together. Like she was learning because she knew nothing about black Mm -hmm. people and I was learning too. She would take me to the black hair shop. She would drop me off and wave and be like, I'll be back. She (laughs) made sure my hair looked, you know, my hair wasn't looking crazy. Um, so I, I give a lot of respect to my mom that she really mm-hmm. allowed me that and made sure I knew my history, even though I didn't have my biological dad in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, whenever I think about it, like if I, if like you died and got to come back and got to choose what race or ethnicity you were, I would choose the exact same. I mm-hmm. just love my cultures. I love that I um, can kind of go to my family in Idaho and fit right in mm-hmm. and then be with my family in Mississippi and be, you know, talking it up and there's there's just no difference. Right. But I, I mm-hmm. just kind of have that where I can kind of blend in and out. So, um, yeah, I feel I'm very proud of being um, half black and half white. I, I identify more as black. I, I look mm-hmm. black. My mom thinks I look white. And I'm like, Mom, when I get pulled over <laughs> by the police, they're not like, mm-hmm. oh, white woman. They're like black <laughs> woman, you know? Um, but... I think when you when you have children, you see yourself in your children. So she's white, so she sees me as white, which I'm not. But um, yeah, so I, I'd say I had I, I've I've been able to manage it really well because mm-hmm. I had a parent. My mom made sure I have some friends who are biracial, and their parents didn't give them that foundation, mm-hmm. and they've struggled, you know, um, trying to find their identity, figuring out who they are. Whereas my mom was like, no, we're gonna learn together. So awesome. That's awesome. So our last question for you today is just if you could give our listeners one thing to try at home, what should they try at home? Yeah, that's oh, wow, question. you're doing it first. This is weird. Usually. Oh, is it? Usually you ask <laughs> it? Okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You, you go, you go, you go. It's fine. I messed up the routine. Try at home. I would say, um, what have I been doing at home lately? Take a nap. To take naps a good. nap, okay. I will squeeze a nap in. I have a three-year-old, so he still naps every day. And I could be cooking, I could be talking to you, and if he's if it's time for his nap, I'm like, all right, see ya. And I sleep the same amount of time as he sleeps. I wake up when he wakes up. So every weekend, I get a nap. So when you get tuckered out from doing all that social justice work, listeners. Go take a nap. Take a nap. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you so much for talking to oh, us today. Welcome. This is a blast. Yes, thank I mean, you. listeners, we will see you in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Bye.